Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Have you ever been called a bonehead? (laughs) I don't know, an airhead, a blockhead? You know, a more accurate phrase might actually be plastic head. (laughs) Stay with me on this. Because way back in the day, a guy by the name of Jerzy Konorowski, who uh, was was a Polish psychologist, coined the term neuroplasticity. Now, this is going to relate directly to you, so stick with me. You might want to click out of this and go to some other video, but stay here for a second because this relates a lot. For, for a long time, we used to think that the human brain developed to a place and then kind of stopped developing. And then, depending upon what you drank and how long you drank it, the human brain would just slowly, slowly, slowly start to become calcified in effect. It would be like a bone, right? <laughs> But over time, folks came to theorize, and now we're able to actually find out and demonstrate it exactly and scientifically be able to see what's going on in the brain, that our brain is more like plastic than it is like air (laughs) or bone. (laughs) So if you say to somebody, you kind of have a plastic brain, it's probably actually more accurate and a little bit more flattering, although it doesn't sound like it. The idea behind neuroplasticity is that our brain can reshape itself and we can change all sorts of things much more deeply than we ever thought we could. The brain can simply learn new ways of functioning. And when it does, it actually not only changes connections or neuropathways that happen within our, within our brain, but it also changes some parts of the structure of our brain. Certain parts actually grow. Now, thankfully, they don't grow so much that they stick out in our skull. (laughs) That doesn't happen that way. But the volume is a way to measure the volume of the brain and really get in really tightly on it and discover that certain parts of our brain will grow when they are used more frequently. That's the thesis behind what I want to share with you today about forgiveness. This is a pretty big deal. Although we don't think about forgiving people in the workplace very often. We all know what forgiveness is, but I think maybe very few of us understand how to actually do it. So in this video, I wanna share with you how to become a person who is more forgiving. Moreover, it's not just a it's not just an emotional thing that you do or that I do. It is a neurological exercise that we go through. We're going to find out in a few minutes that a person who has a tendency to forgive more than a person who does not have a tendency to forgive actually over time as they forgive folks who have hurt them or wounded them in some way, especially in the workplace, which is where all of our study has been they actually begin to reshape their brain and then they begin to think differently, which makes it easier for them to continue to forgive. I'm gonna show you some of that stuff. One of the reasons why I wanna share this with you is I'm often in situations where I find that folks are experiencing 
organizational problems like you, like as a leader or a manager or a supervisor, somebody who's responsible for influencing people to perform better in the workplace so that you can accomplish your mission, you occasionally run across this big stumbling block where there is some rift between individuals or groups of individuals that you've had to build structures around because they don't trust one another anymore. They don't trust one another because there has been some sort of wound, perceived or real, doesn't matter, and that wound has created a rift in the organization. And so you build walls or you build structures, sometimes literal, so that people can continue to work in situations where they're at war with one another. I want to share with you a little bit about what we have learned over time about an incredibly powerful solution to this, and that solution is genuine forgiveness. Again, not a term we use very often in the workplace. It seems like it doesn't fit in the workplace. But I want to show you a little bit about how it actually works. So have you been wounded personally by someone? Have you been in a situation, maybe even as I bring this up, that is, it was years ago and it still feels current as I bring it up? And maybe you find as you think about it, the wound is back, the pain is back as you relive it. Maybe even as you're thinking or watching this video, your eyes are narrowing and you're shrinking in a little bit and you start to pet the fur off of that wound, maybe a long time ago. Perhaps, like in one of the videos we've had recently where we shared with you about the timing of feedback, perhaps this thing feels like it just happened last week when in fact it was years ago, and yet here you are still nursing that wound. Think about it a little bit, and, and it's possible that what you are starting to do or what you have done for years is to come up with uh, an imaginative list of things that that person should do to make it right. If only they would do this, if only they would do that, if only they would just apologize, if only they would just change this behavior or change that behavior, then that would make it all right. If only they would just say, I'm sorry, that would make it right. But in the case of actual offenses or deep wounds that need to be forgiven, if you're honest, the things you want that person to do, the things you imagine that that person should do, would not even make it right. Even if that person were to be, to borrow Donnie's phrase, made available to industry and they'd go away and you'd never see them again, it still wouldn't make it right. It's possible that nothing would make it right. Maybe if they did come in and do that long list of things that you have imagined that they should do to make it right, maybe you would feel a little bit different about it, but in fact, as you imagine it, it wouldn't set things right. It wouldn't make it right. You'd feel a little superior, perhaps you'd feel like you won, but it wouldn't change anything. And what we're after is a way to deal with such offenses or such wounds or such difficulty in the workplace that you can actually be free from it. And the way to do that is through forgiveness because it's not actually possible for a person to fix it. You are racking up interest, so to speak, like credit card interest at 26%. And no matter what they do, their small monthly payment to make it right never lets them catch up. You're always holding it against them. You're the one who's spending time and energy letting that person rent space in your brain and in your emotions. You know what I'm talking about. There's just no other way around it. The only way to deal with such a wound or such an offense is for you to forgive that person.
for you to actually enact forgiveness. Here is the heart and core of forgiveness. It means that you say and actually believe that that person now owes you nothing. That's what forgiveness means. It's as simple as that. Illustrated in the financial world, let's assume that you borrowed $20,000 from somebody and then got into a situation where it was impossible, utterly impossible for you to repay. And that person realized it. And they were to come to you and say, you borrowed 20,000 from me. You said you were going to repay it. I realize you cannot repay it. The interest is now too great. It's not possible for you to repay it. I'm going to forgive the loan. That person literally means you now do not owe them anything. The money has been wiped off the books along with the interest rates. And then if that person truly forgives the loan, they're not going to go out and tell everybody, oh, well, he owed me $20,000. She didn't pay her debt, but I forgave it. That's not what forgiveness is. If the loan is forgiven, the conversation about the loan is also forgiven. The debt is no longer owed. Now reverse that. If you are to forgive somebody in the workplace, or if your mind is wandering off to someone outside of the workplace, what it truly means is you realize that person no longer owes you anything. They don't owe you an explanation. They don't owe you a change in their behavior or their mood or their attitude. They don't owe you an apology. They don't owe you a bunch of work to make it right. They don't owe you. They don't owe you a change in their personality even. They don't owe you. Why? Because you have forgiven them. They've done nothing to merit the forgiveness. They can't. We talked about that a minute ago. It's not possible for them to dig out of the hole of the offense. They just don't owe you anything. You say that to yourself, that person no longer owes me anything. And then listen, your little inner narrator will say, yeah, but, what, but? Well, that's not forgiveness. Let it go. If you do not forgive a person in this situation, then you will become just like that character on the Lord of the Rings called Gollum. Remember what happened to Gollum if you read the books or watched the movies or both? The books are better than the movies, aren't they always? Gollum is a character who in pursuit of something became so consumed by it that it physically and mentally and psychologically changed him and actually became his demise. He's the one, remember, who said, my precious, that's what happens to you and happens to me if we refuse to forgive people. Now, you might be arguing in your mind about this right now. Well, this is a not a forgivable offense. There's just no way. How could, I, how could I possibly forgive? Well, then those are the kind of offenses that truly need to be forgiven because there's nothing that person can do to make it right. Forgiveness simply means you don't owe me anything. And you're not saying it in a bitter spirit. You're not saying it in a way where finally you don't owe me anything and there's hatred going that way. That's not forgiveness. It's a very pure and simple act. You don't owe me anything. Now, you'll probably have to repeat that to yourself many times because you have now spent weeks, months, years becoming Gollum and petting the fur off of your precious hurt and your precious injustice. Of course it was unjust. Of course it was hurtful. No one's arguing that but it's time to forgive. They don't owe you anything. It's time to forgive. Let's get real about the forgiving brain. There's been a tremendous amount of research around this, and I'm amazed that it hasn't been more public, around what happens in the human brain that has a tendency to forgive 
or a tendency to not forgive. Now, the human brain doesn't start out this way, but over time, as you and I refuse to forgive people, we actually begin to change the neurology in our brain. We change the structure of our brain, because remember, our brain's plastic. Neuroplasticity refers to the fact that the more we do something, think something, act it out over and over and over in our brain, it changes the structure of our brain. And that can be pointed in any direction whatsoever. You can learn how to golf better, neuroplasticity. You can learn how to type more quickly, neuroplasticity. You can go from being someone who was terrified of public speaking and get in front of thousands of people and speak and have it recorded and you're fine. Why? Neuroplasticity. Your brain can change, but you have to have an act of will repeated over and over and over for a good reason in order for your brain to change its structure. The same is true of folks who do not have a tendency to forgive. Now here's a question. Think about yourself. Think over the last several years, if you're getting long in the tooth like I am, I'm 64 years old at the recording of this video, so I can look back over a few decades. Maybe you're only 20 as you're watching this video, so you don't have very far to look back on, but you can look back a little bit and ask this question. Have I become more forgiving or less forgiving as time has gone on? If you've become less forgiving, you've changed the structure of your brain. There's a, there's a stripe of a part of our brain right up, right about here, right about where my hairline is on your brain, and it goes back and forth across both sides of the brain. And it's called the, the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. I had to look at my notes to read it because I don't use that term very often, right? But on the left side, the left dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex is a region of the brain that is directly related with people who are depressed and pessimistic or people who are optimistic and energized and forward-looking and outward-looking. The more depressed we are, the more active that part of our brain actually becomes. In fact, it's larger in volume. Now, again, it doesn't stick out. It's not like you can look at someone and say, wow, your left dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex is bulging. You must be really depressed. <laughs> no, not at all. It's just that it, it's more dense and it gets, it gets used more. Folks who have a tendency to forgive have a smaller lateral prefrontal dorsal cortex. It's smaller by about five to seven percent. The more we forgive, the, the less depressed we are and the more optimistic we are. And that little part of our brain actually functions differently. When we use functional MRI and light it up and have thought processes going on or present problems to people or show faces of people that they've forgiven or that they know, we can see the activity is different in people who have a tendency to forgive. They have trained themselves to forgive. The activity is much different and, and it is very, very powerful to see the difference in folks who have trained themselves to forgive than in folks who have trained themselves to not forgive and to be resentful. Also, there's a similar dynamic that takes place in our what's called our insular cortex. Now, our insular cortex, if you could take your fingers and stick them in your ears and go up at an angle and in until right about where your fingers touch, kind of forward a little bit in front of the amygdala, it's called the insular cortex. And the insular cortex tends to be less dense, used less in people who are less offendable than in people who are easily offended. People who are easily offended tend to also be very prickly. They're always looking for some reason to be hurt or offended. 
oh, and, and, and therefore they have a harder time forgiving. People with a tendency to forgive, that, that amazing insular cortex tends to be really uh, more flexible, more plastic. You can see how the, the wiring and the electrical activity functions, more, it functions differently. You can actually see it happen. Um, so people who are not easily offended, the, that insular cortex is smaller by 5 to 10%. Not shrinking like this, it's less dense. It's used less often because why? They've trained themselves to be forgiving. They've trained themselves to not be offended. Also, we find that a person who has trained themselves to forgive folks tends to have a very vivid imagination. Their judgment teams, uh, seems to be better. They're able to connect dots, which is how judgment occurs, when you connect that idea with that thought, with that history, with that person, with, and you can connect it and snap it all together and stand above it and make decisions that way. That's how judgment actually functions. It's developed in a fascinating way as well as we're able to make those connections. Folks who tend to forgive more have a more active region of their brain that enables them to have better judgment and it also enables them to be significantly more creative. So all of that flows from the question, have you trained yourself to forgive people? Or have you trained yourself to be someone who does not forgive people? If you do not forgive people, your judgment will not be as good, your short-term memory will not be as good, your creativity will go down, and you will be much, much more easily offended. You will be hyper-vigilant about things that offend you and that are unforgivable. It is really an amazing, uh, an amazing change that takes place because you've decided to be the kind of person who doesn't forgive people. Now, that's not how you talk about it yourself. You just say there's a bunch of people who are unforgivable. But that's not really what's happened. You have decided to be a person who tends to forgive or a person who tends to not forgive. So as we wrap all of this up, I, I want to encourage you very strongly to pay attention to this. Am I a person who's become more forgiving at work or less forgiving at work? I'm not talking about ignoring injustice. You can fix injustice. I'm talking about the offenses that come from time to time in the workplace. Are you a person who's become more forgiving or less forgiving? Are you a person who can actually say, you know what, I don't think more highly of myself than I ought to think. That person simply does not owe me anything. You're not taking that extra toxic step and saying, you're dead to me, right? <laughs> you're not saying that. You're saying the person simply does not owe me anything. When you do that, be careful then not to re-wound yourself by sitting back and reliving in your memory the offense. And don't re-wound yourself by telling other people about the offense over and over and reliving it and making it real again. Training yourself to be a person who's not forgivable. It's time to move on. It's time to engage. It's time to enable yourself to actually be a person who learns to forgive in situations where forgiveness is required. So there we have it. You know, leadership is hard, um, but sometimes we make it a lot harder than it really needs to be. And this is one of those cases where I want to get up close and personal with you. If you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. It's time to move on. Here's to you. An 
I'm sure you've heard about it by now, but you may want to check out our YouTube channel that has this kind of information, lots of helpful tips for folks who are in leadership, management, supervisory positions, or if you're an influencer of people daring folks to do great things. Check us out on YouTube. It's the HILT, H-I-L-T, Academy, High Impact Leadership Training Academy on YouTube. Some great stuff. Join us over there. Subscribe when you get there. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.